The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 44 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host over in the giant state of California. Huge Warriors fan, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you this morning? We are about what 10 hours removed from game five how you feeling gosh it's it's a weird feeling right i mean we were watching a a great game looked like it was shaping up to be a great series and then the kevin durant injury just like takes the whole air out of the room it just felt odd all last night yeah wind wind out of the sails i think it's it's amazing that we saw a game as good as it was with so many things that happened during the game that were like really exciting to watch and the entire story is now Kevin Durant and his, as of right now, uh, you know, we saw Bob Myers' press conference last night, you know, t- kind of like tearing up and saying that it's an Achilles injury and they won't know what it is until an MRI happens. But, you know, we saw uh, on Twitter, I, I, Ramona Shelburne was the first person I saw that tweeted this, but I, I don't know if anybody else did, but yeah, I'm sure somebody did, but that they fear it's a, it's a torn Achilles, which, you know, that's your number one free agent. He's 30 years old. He's in his prime. And it just feels so depressing, Zan. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to sound dramatic, but it really does feel no, very totally. depressing. And, you know, it w- I, I tweeted this, and I think it's true. Like, it wouldn't have felt right if Toronto won in that game and celebrated. Because it was just such a – it was just like an uncomfortable – and then you had the t- Toronto fan reaction, which obviously got a lot of press. You know, it seemed like they were cheering – um, and then backtracking a little bit. Well, their players, uh, that actually was an interesting moment because there's a clip of Drake who we all think is like an idiot and he's like panicked. Like you can see him put his hands on his head and like pat Kevin Durant on the shoulder. And then like the, the Raptors fans, like it was like they didn't know what to do. Like they'd never been in that situation before. So they were like, oh, this is good for us. And then all of a sudden like Ibaka, you know, Kyle Lowry, a couple assistant coaches, like they were like putting their hands down, like, no, no, no. And then they just started chanting for KD. Like they were like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Like that was super weird. A little delayed, like a delayed sense of humanity kicking in. I think maybe they cheered for the fact that, you know, when that happened, the ball just kind of like went off his leg. And I remember being like, what the, what the heck? And then I saw it. I was wondering if they were cheering for the fact that, like, he turned the ball over and he got – Let's not apologize for them <laughs> or make excuses. Because, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how amazing Canadians are. I love all of Canadian. Canadians. You love all. Yeah. Are you saying I love I'm, all Canada or I love all Canadians? What are we going with? I don't know. I, I'm confused. I'm discombobulated. Um, I. It was it was a totally classless initial reaction. Um, that they showed. I don't know if you saw footage of Jurassic Park. They were cheering too. Uh, I I would defend them in the sense that I think a lot of fan bases would do that just because people are animals all over the world. I think people are just generally terrible when you put them in groups together like that. Uh, It always scares me. That's why I hate being part of like crowds like that. Like I feel like individual people are very nice. And then like the more you clump together, the worse they get. 
So I'm not surprised that they would get together and egg each other on and maybe cheer. Uh, it was a really bad look for them. And I think that a lot of, you know, fans, uh, casual fans, like kind of put left to sour taste in their mouth too. And cause I think you and I and Drake, the three of us together are big basketball fans. And you do realize how devastating this is for Durant, who's arguably the best player in the world, rushing back and then getting hurt as a result. Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit. I, I want to put to, I can't put to rest anything. I don't know anything that happened behind the scenes with the Warriors, but I texted you and I've talked about, we've, we've talked a lot about like kind of access journalism over the last couple of weeks and you know what the guys, you know, and the, and the Warriors kind of athletic site is good. The guys are really good. Ethan Strauss is very good. You know, Marcus Thompson's really good, but, but those guys, we see them a ton in the news because the Warriors are the most interesting team to cover. I think given their, you know, kind of this impending like breaking up of the team. But Tim Kawakami wrote an article that was kind of like about how people were worried about Kevin Durant and did he want to play and they didn't know what was going on and they felt like they were kind of in the dark about it. And, you know, don't know who leaked it. I have my thoughts on who his source is in, uh, you know, the Warriors organization. But those types of articles just look shitty because now he comes back and I have no idea if I, I think everyone's like the Warriors pressured him to play. I don't think Kevin Durant would have played if he didn't feel like he was ready. I re- I genuinely believe that, Dan. I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm the only one. I think you feel the same way. A lot of revisionist history on terms of the injury because almost everything I heard prior to this game was Durant's a baby. He's quitting on the team. You know, I, I, almost everybody I talked to thought that he should be playing. I did too, to some degree, you know, in at least in game five. And, you know, the first quarter, he looked offensively, he looked completely fine. Let me defend, let me defend you. Let me defend you for a second. You wanted him to play. I don't know if you thought ever that, like, he wasn't playing because he couldn't. You were just always kind of like, hey, we need KD for this to be a series. Like, right, right, right. you just wanted him to play. Like, as a fan, like, you were like, I really want to see Kevin Durant. I, I don't, I wouldn't lump you in the category of people that were like, Katie's tanking the Warriors dynasty. No, 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 Happy absolutely. To see him lose. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I think he certainly wants to to win, and I, I don't. I don't even. Th- I don't even buy the, like the conspiracy theories that he enjoys watching them lose, or Curry enjoys you know Durant not playing. I, these guys work their whole careers for like this one like window where they can win titles. They want to win titles. Curry, uh, Curry was like in tears. Like he ran off the court in the tunnel to like go talk to or see what was going on with KD when Iguodala and like the trainer walked him off the court. Like that was actually a pretty crazy scene for everybody who thinks that like Curry and Durant don't get along or one doesn't like the other. Like Curry went over there like consoling. But I'll tell you in the first quarter when Durant was hitting these shots three for three from, from three, my first reaction was not, Oh, he shouldn't be playing right now. I, my first reaction was, I wonder if he could have played game four. Um, like, because he was playing pretty well, you know, he just has to stand and shoot and, you know, use his length to get shots. And I'm like, maybe it's too late. Maybe if they played him in game four, maybe they would have won this series. And then, you know, the injury happens. And I don't know, I've heard people in the past, you know, like analytic people being like, you know, prior injuries, you know, it's still fluky. It doesn't really have much to do like this clearly appeared to be directly related. I mean, in, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that the one caused the other. It, it's just so hard. Like before the game, Steve Kerr said there was no risk of him like aggravating his Achilles because the injuries weren't related. And it's like that comment just looks so absurd now. You know what I mean, Zan? Like it just, it's like 
I thought, but that's what I thought too. Like I thought in my head, and I'm not a medical professional. I haven't seen Katie behind the scenes. I thought it was like what they're saying that where it's like, hey, worst case, he, you know, he strains his calf worse. Or, or, he's out yeah, for two tears, months. Tears his calf or something. Exactly. Like it just. And like, I always think that too, like in terms of gutting it out, like this is what you, you know, load manage for, you know, and if you get hurt for two or three months in the off season, that's fine. If he gets hurt for four months, that's fine. So one of my, uh, one of my really good friends is a uh, strength and conditioning coach at the college level. And he had, they had a player, their best player a couple of years ago, tears, or tears Achilles in a, in a preseason scrimmage, right? Like just two plays, just snaps, non-contact, pretty much the same thing, like goes to plants over. And he spent like the entire year trying to figure out like if he did something wrong or like he overworked him or whatever. And, and it seems to be that Achilles injuries are pretty similar, you know, not to make a wild analogy here because we're not a baseball show, but it, it seems like Achilles injuries are kind of similar to pitchers when they blow out and they have to have Tommy John surgery. It's almost like every single person's body is a little bit different and you only have so many kind of like bullets in the gun for lack of a better word. And when it's over, it's over, you know, and, and your Achilles just goes. And for a guy like Durant, who we know has logged thousands and thousands and thousands of minutes. They've played to the NBA Finals each of the last two years. We know he was doing two-a-day workouts to try to rehab and get treatment to be ready to play in Game 5. I just, It seems like it's probably an overuse injury, and it's unfortunate. I, I don't want to say that it was unlucky because it does appear that they're related, but we don't know that. And there's also this theory out there now that the Warriors misdiagnosed it, and maybe it was like they missed a very slight tear or something. But I don't know how that's possible either. He had to have had 20 MRIs in the last 33 days, right? Like, the Warriors are a really well-run organization. That's the one thing you can't deny. They're very well-run. Well, and it's, you know, I I hope that it wasn't misdiagnosed, of course. You know, the most similar shades is, like, Isaiah Thomas for Boston. Yep. Rushing back and then getting hurt. In that case, like, if they – I don't know the backstory. If if the Celtics, like, mishandled that and rushed Isaiah Thomas out – they probably cost him, you know, 50, 60 million dollars. Like, I, I don't think, you know, like if, if the, this case, you know, hopefully Durant still gets a max somewhere. Yeah. Do you think uh, you have I to think, max him, right? I would have to talk, you know, we're all such like, you know, amateurs in terms of the medical and uh, in terms of the aggravation and what's going to happen and recover. He's, as you said, he's 30. He's turning 31 later this year. Um, you think his skill set would age well, even with injuries, just because of his length and shooting. Like Dirk Nowitzki lasted until what he was like thirty-five. You know, he's a forty, but he was a star player until the late thirties. Because I gotta think, I gotta think that Durant's not going to take a bridge deal. Like, there's no way Durant's going to be like, all right, I'll take one year, fifteen million to rehab. I think he's going to put the screws to teams that want to sign him. I, I, I feel that way, and he's a brand too. You know, he he makes teams. People will want him to be part of their team, but but it changes maybe the complexion of the teams that are going to sign him because if you're Kyrie Irving, do you want to sign up to play with Kevin Durant? Yeah, I don't know. I, honestly, like that's punt next year. Um, I mean, if if, goal- if if Kyrie was going to go to the Nets, though, like it wouldn't. They would. It would really only be punting if you were going to the Knicks, right? Like that's the one team probably that you're punting because they're not going to be good unless they get another star too. And also from Golden State's perspective, like everything I think was kind of trending in the side, like maybe Golden State has a good chance to resign him. And I think maybe this injury even helps that case um, because he seems like he like, you know, they they bonded almost over this like, you know, devastating news. Is Golden State going to dive deep, deep into luxury tax for a team that could contend and then have a player maybe on the shelf for all of next year? 
that seems hard too. Would that was the other thing I was thinking? Like, would would Durant somehow take like one year, ten million, and stay with Golden State, and then like maybe be ready to play in February well, or March? He does, doesn't have to do that because he has his player option for thirty one million next year. Right. So he could just opt in and and yeah. and run it back one more time. God, that's so interesting. There's so much of this stuff. Like, this is why it's stupid. Like. And I mean stupid in the sense that, like, the NBA is so much fun. Like, Game 5 was awesome. And there's all these things that you're talking about now that, like, we haven't had a conversation about. And I'm just thinking about how the landscape of this summer totally changed in, like, 30 seconds. Like, this whole Anthony Davis wants to go to the Lakers or the Knicks. Like, does Anthony Davis want to go to the Knicks right now? Because there's, like, the chances of Kevin Durant going to the Knicks just had to get severely, severely, like, had to severely, severely decrease last night. And if you're the Warriors, say you're Bob Myers, who was, you know, crying at the press conference, we could talk more about that maybe, but, and you feel like some sort of guilt, whether they did everything right or not, you know, you could do everything right and still go, it still goes wrong. I think the guilt thing, everyone said crocodile tears or whatever, but I think the guilt thing, you're exactly right. Like you just feel guilty as a person, you know, Yeah, like, like you could have the, you could make every decision right. And if it goes wrong, then, you know, you still feel bad. Um, I think it's very hard for them if, you know, Kevin Durant's agent comes and says, hey, we want to sign a max with you to say, you know what, I, financially, I don't think that really makes sense for us. We don't want to go on luxury tax. Like, you kind of, like, owe it to him at this point. I mean, he's also taken a discount from you in the past. He's brought you two titles or helped bring you two titles. Just tore his Achilles trying to get you a third title. How do you shortchange him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's... I just, like I said, just as a person, like in that moment, I just felt really bad. It's like, and don't get, don't get me wrong. Let's get to game five for a second here. And then I do want to talk about Bob Myers because that press conference was odd. I would, I would say this. I, I hope that Kevin Durant resigns actually now. And I think if he did take the player option, for one year, I hope he resigns. Honestly. I, really? Because, I mean, you know, I think, you know, he's not, I think his grand plan was to leave and prove that he's the greatest player in the world somewhere. I don't see that path forward next year. You know, like he's not going to go somewhere and win a title on his own back. You know, that's just kind of out the window now. So resign, take the player option. I think take the player option for one year. Trying to come back and make the playoffs, right? Because this is like you're a good enough enough team. Right. It's kind of like Boogie Cousins coming back and like just trying to work your way back into playoffs shape. Um, and they could definitely hang until the playoffs. And then you can kind of just like try to have a mulligan and do over and win the title one last time. I think that makes the most sense. But what do you think he's actually going to do? I re- honestly, I don't want to be wishy-washy. You put me on the spot all the time. And I think generally I give fire takes. I don't know what he's going to do. I think it's probably smart to take the guaranteed $30 million. I don't know. What does that mean? And, and again, I feel bad for our listeners because this is terrible radio right now as I wonder out loud about things. But if you yeah, take, I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot talking about Kevin Durant, the biggest story. Well, like if, but if he hours. takes the 30 million, what does that mean for Clay Thompson? Like, that's the thing. I know. I think they have to they have to say, basically, we're diving deep into the, the luxury. Maybe they do that. You know what I mean? Like I said, Bob Myers's press conference was just so weird in the sense that you could tell, like, somebody was getting blamed. And I don't know if Bob Myers was like, I don't know if he was the leak for the articles about like, ah, oh, we don't know if Durant can play. Like, we don't know if he wants to play. But like, he looked legitimately shaken last night. And maybe they will dive into luxury tax. But, but one thing we saw last night, Kevin Durant is amazing. Like, ultimately, his minutes won them the game. And I don't think you can argue any other way. You know, he, he ended up, what, well, he had 12 points or 11 points last night, I think. Uh, but he played 12 minutes. Warriors were plus six in those 12 minutes. 
And then the McKinney, like Andrew Bogut, Jordan Bell, like trash heap only played eight minutes. So like, that's really good. But Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are tremendous. But, but honestly, Zan, Clay Thompson, I just like can't say enough about that guy. You know, Steph Curry's going to win MVP if the Warriors are somehow able to win the next two games. I don't think they will. I, they just clearly don't have enough offense without KD. But the shots that Clay Thompson hit to keep them in the game, there's just the two big threes. And then Curry, obviously, the one three off the wide pin down was awesome. But, like, those guys were fantastic. It was amazing to watch them just hit big shot after big shot when they needed it. And so if I'm the Warriors and KD's going to opt in now, I got to figure out a way to re-side Klay Thompson. And that's why I think you're right. You know, you cannot let that guy walk away. You got to max him. You have to. Yeah, you know, and I was skeptical about that for a while because – you know, he's a shooter and he, there's not a ton else. I think we, we talked about it. I think his defense is slightly overrated, um, but a good defender. It's just a matter of like with everyone shooting threes now, is there a big difference between, you know, a good shooter that you could find, you know, not off the scrap keep, but like the mid-level and a great shooter. And, and I think in his case, there is. There is, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who shoots 42% from his for his career from three it's just like that little notch that's really hard to get to it's like almost like in your class going from like an a minus to a full a like that's hard to do um and he is that as a shooter so i think you're right i think he was amazing all series i think he's just been the most reliable guy full credit there's a couple guys let's talk about from the warriors perspective right because they come out they have this 34 point first quarter obviously Kevin Durant back, that's their highest scoring quarter of the series. I think it was their highest scoring quarter of the playoffs, actually. And you could see, like, with Durant, like, the floor was much more open. Their defense was, just for lack of a better word, it was terrible all night. Their defense was bad in the first with Durant. Like, you were so mad about Steph Curry's body language. I totally agree with that. They were, they were so undisciplined. They've looked way more undisciplined this playoffs than they have in the last three. Draymond gets an, just an idiotic sixth technical, which is uh, obviously a storyline to pay attention to because – if he gets mad in game six and gets a tech and they somehow win the game, he's suspended for game seven. So, you know, now he's maybe not playing as fiery as he can, but it's just like they got contributions from guys. Curry was awesome. He made shots. He, he stunk it up in the second half and then he made big shots when he had to. DeMarcus Cousins, who was just terrible in the fourth quarter, like just terrible in the fourth quarter, gave them a little 7 0 run after Durant went out, ends the game with 14 and six. Like they don't win the game without him. Uh. but he can't play he can't he can't play anymore like I don't want to 10 minutes 10 minutes Steve Kerr that's it 10 minutes he was so bad in the fourth quarter his last four minutes were just over they were so bad yeah no I agree with pretty much everything you said it's like it's weird to see like the Warriors you know you always think of them like they're the greatest shooting team ever like they have three great shooters and then not much else offensively you know and even though you claim Draymond's a great offensive player, you know, he hasn't, I haven't seen it yet, but I've been told. He made the big extra pass to Clay Thompson. Yeah, he, he, and he hit a couple of threes. He did hit a couple of threes. But I, I think it was, it was just like the Warriors looked like punched in the gut with the injury and just looked like rattled and, and they like numerous times didn't get back on defense, just giving up on plays. And they just got bailed out by their shooting and they shot, they hit 23s out of 42. And you're pretty much going to win every time you do that, but they only won by one point, which shows you how much how outplayed they were in every other facet of the game. Did I text you this after the game? I don't know if I did. The, the line for game six opened at minus three and a half. That seems abs- – sorry, the Warriors favored by three and a half. Given what we saw last – or given what we saw on Monday night, 
That seems absurd, Zandrick. How are the Warriors favored? They can't score enough. They scored 44 points in the second half and won the game. Like, or, I'm sorry. They sc- yeah, they scored 44 points in the second half. Like, how is Vegas looking at this? And how is the public watching this game and being like, yeah, the Warriors are the better team without Kevin Durant? That is, I, I don't get it. They, you're, you're right. They, they made 23s and they won one. They won by one. I give you credit because, you know, coming off the Portland series, remember they swept Portland, which is still amazing to think about in hindsight. Um, and I, we were talking, making our predictions before this series, and I, I still thought the Warriors would sneak it out with or without Durant. And you, you did say that the, the Raptors are better, the better team without Kevin Durant. And they've looked like the better team in every single game without Kevin Durant. They, they could be up. They, they could have swept them, honestly. They've outplayed them, I think, in, in every game except for game two, I guess. I guess that should be 4-1. I don't know. They should have won last night. They really should have. Yeah, and do you know what I think? I was thinking about it like – it's just a good matchup for them too, regardless. And Portland couldn't take advantage in the same way, but like the fact that Toronto has such length, that's like their defining feature, really like Leonard and Siakam. And then if you have a Baca coming in and that length just bothers Golden State. And I think in two ways, like one, when they get sloppy with their passes, you know, a lot of those get disrupted. And in terms of offensive rebounding, Toronto has like the bodies just to kind of pound them on the board when they try to go small. They had 13 offensive rebounds last night. Uh, and, you know, if the Warriors don't have a capable center on the roster, you know, Looney's also hurt. I, it, it's a hole that they keep attacking. Um, and you mentioned Boogie who's just looked atrocious defensively, and Nick Nurse is going to notice that and attack him every time, and he did. I thought uh, one thing I want to – I just come off as, like, such an apologist for players. And, I, you know, other than Anthony Davis, who maybe we'll have some time to talk about how ridiculous he is, but – I think that, like, Boogie, you know, he really played pretty well on offense. Like, he had the moving screen, which I thought was such a shit call in the moment. (sighs) Darn it. Thought it was such a bad call in the moment. Like, I get it. It was an easy call. I just feel like you got to let guys play. Like, you could call a moving screen on every single pin down in the NBA, in my opinion. But, like, you know, he had a couple really good extras. He had, like, in the fourth quarter, like, he had a a great pass for a three, and then he had a pass for a a Draymond, like, floater that was really good. Like, Boogie's a good player. It's just that, like, he has no lift. He has no timing. And he just was terrible. In that little Kawhi Leonard, like, 10-0 run, I guess that's the most interesting part of the game, right? So the game comes back from commercial. The Warriors are up what? They're They're up three or up two. Leonard makes a three, then he makes like a floater, then he makes a layup, then he makes another three. And in the midst of that, like Boogie gets switched on to Kawhi, who just made a three and backs up. Like, what are you doing, guy? Even if you're hurt, even if you have no lift, like take his space. If he drives by, you have help. He's probably going to score. But like, you can't give up a three in that moment. It's funny. Go ahead, the, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that Kawhi Leonard like stretch where he had hit three it shots in a row. Unbelievable. It felt, it felt like okay, this is him seizing control of the league and becoming like the undisputed best player, unfortunately, with Kevin Durant hurt. And then it didn't happen. Um he ends up shooting only nine for twenty-four again. You know, his shooting's been pretty average or below average for the last like two series. He shot forty three. He's shooting like I think forty-three percent from two and 35 percent from three i think it's like 43 35 90 or something i mean he's fine you know what i mean for the usage he's taking but it, it's a weird to think like there's this whole narrative out there before the injury overtook everything that like Kawhi leonard is carrying this team to a title and he's been their best player i guess yeah, but no question. No question. but in terms of like he hasn't played his best basketball i don't think this whole series like in terms of like if he's a 10 
out of 10 normally. He's played like at about an eight, which might be like the best of the team. But I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like he's, you know, single-handedly carrying this team. I, I feel like the story of the series has more been guys like Fred Van Viet playing well. Marcus Saul has played well for the majority of the series. Kyle Lowry's had his moments. You know, it feels like the whole team is really good, and the Bacca's played extremely well as well. And and Nick Nurse had been really good. And and ultimately, like I don't, the, he didn't lose them the game taking the timeout before the under three last night. But I mean, that was a huge moment, and it allowed the Warriors to regroup. And you know that, like I don't believe in momentum. It's gonna be we're gonna lose a lot of listeners when I give this take, but. Just don't believe in momentum. Like, there's just not – there are times when guys make shots and guys' confidence goes high, but there's just no, like, actual evidence that, like, momentum legitimately exists. But if you're a momentum truther, like I call people like that, Nick Nurse taking time out to, like, stop Kawhi's little 10-0 run or 10-2 run or whatever and letting the Warriors regroup, set their defense, call a set out of offense, like, it changed the game, Zan. Like, I, I know he thought Kawhi was gassed, and I know he felt like they needed a rest, but, like, Steve Kerr – it allowed him the sub. They put in Quinn Cook, and that actually mattered. And then it allowed the Warriors to call a set, and Curry hit a huge three to kind of stop the run. Or Curry or Thompson, I can't remember, hit a three to stop the run, and they never recovered. The Raptors didn't get a bucket after that, I don't think, right? I think they scored once more. I've heard a lot of that, like the after the fact, complaining about the timeout. I, no, no, moment, no. I complained about the timeout in the moment. I, I texted you when it happened. In, in my head, I, I wasn't really factoring that in. Like, I, I thought... In my head, I was thinking the Raptors think they're the better team. They are the better team right now. And they just want to like, you know, take their time and, and make sure like, you know, this is not a sloppy game or anything like that that gets out of control because they think they think one to one, you know, possession to possession, they're going to win this game. And it's odd because, you know, I think Golden State, of course, appreciates the timeout. But like, it's, it's clear, like this is the first series in a while that I feel like Steve Kerr like openly acknowledges in the way he's playing and coaching that they are the worst team in the series. And they're really like junking it up and, and trying to slow it down. And I think this, we've mentioned this before, the league average points per game this year is 110. Like the Warriors have not cracked 110 all series. I mean, they're, they're playing slower. They're just relying, you know, they have to work hard to get Steph and Clay their shots. And that's all they have really offensively. It's it's a weird series, and I think going forward they're going to have to continue to do that and try to limit the possessions because they're not as good. And and t- I wanted to want to say one thing about adjustments they can make too with Boogie. I think the Warriors, if if all you have offensively in terms of like shot making is Curry and Clay, um, I think they they can't they have to like stagger them so at least one's on the court of all times, of course. It, and if one is off the court then I think you can maybe play boogie because as you mentioned, he is offensively skilled and he can, you know, distribute and score a little. If both of them are out there, Curry and Clay Thompson, then I don't think you need boogie at all. He's just a, he's not as big of an offensive factor and defensively, he's just a huge liability. So I don't think that trade out's worth it. I think they need to kind of reconfigure the rotation in some ways. And same with like Sean Livingston. Like I don't think Sean Livingston should play. It's almost the opposite. He should not play when, unless both of them are out there because he offers so little shooting that it clogs the court even more. Like they, they really need to be like delicate with how they balance their roster. I know that's hard without Duran, without Kevin Looney, Kevon Looney, and you know, with Gudson's probably can only play 15 minutes. So I, I just think that they have a shot in game six if they pick the right lineup. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that one of the, I mean, I, Sean Livingston is done. I, I, it sucks. You know, he's an unbelievable story. You know, the way he worked himself back, he got a contract. He was a, he was one of the best backup point guards in the league for a little while on the Warriors. But I mean, there were possessions where he was on an island with Kawhi, uh, Kawhi on Monday night and he had no chance. Like he can't play. He can't score. Right. And, it, well, and especially like, I know you don't like Quinn Cook, but he has you, to play. He has to, they need another shooter. You're exactly right. Man. Like, and if they have Curry and Clay, you don't need that other shooter. But if it's just one, you just can't have these guys wide open. Even, you, you know, your buddy Draymond, I don't think he was guarded from three all night. And Igudala wasn't really guarded either. And that's already like two hot hands tied behind your back. One of the biggest plays of the game that I was really worried that didn't, it, it, I thought it was going to come back and bite the Warriors. And I, and I will be totally frank as a journalist, I'm supposed to be impartial. I was rooting for the Warriors last night, especially after the Raptors like cheered KD's injury. It's, it's very interesting to watch the Warriors sort of become like the plucky underdog with the, you know, the, their team. But I, they, I think they had just hit a three. They had come down. Draymond had just hit a three and he had done his little like smirk and smile or whatever. And they threw it. Quinn Cook comes out. He's out of the break. He like can't get to the rim and finish because he's, you know, five foot three. He throws it to Iguodala in the corner, who's legitimately wide open. He won't take the shot. And he also doesn't drive to the rim. He like throws it to Draymond, who travels. Like I thought that was a huge play, but it showed the Warriors kind of like warts right now that Quinn Cook can't get out on the break and finish in transition. And Iggy's turning down open corner threes and not able to get to the rim off a of, off a wild closeout. Like that was a huge like microcosm, I think, of what we're seeing issues wise with the Warriors right now and you know I don't know that they can fix that but McKinney only got two minutes and it's clear that Steve Kerr doesn't trust him from a defensive standpoint but that's the guy I think that needs to play like your guy Damian Lee's not on the roster so he's not playing they clearly don't think Jacob Jacob Evans can play but like and they know Jarebko can't play defensively but I just think the key is you got to get more offense in there or yeah that my takeaway is you know and hopefully I wasn't too confusing if you have both your shooters out there, then you could, you know, play your old school defenders and even Sean Livingston. But you're so limited otherwise in terms of firepower. You did as much shooting as you can. So even like to your point, like McKinney, who's not a good shooter, but he's okay. Like you need guys like that. Okay is good enough right now. Just amazing to see that the Raptors bench and the Raptors depth is so much better. And part of it's that the Warriors just got old, you know, like that, that's just the bottom line. Like Livingston and Iguodala four years ago were amazing players and probably better than any of the Raptors bench players. They're just not anymore. You know, Iggy's 35 years old. Sean Livingston's been in the NBA for 15 years. And like, that's just the bottom line. Like it's not that the Warriors didn't improve their depth. It's that like father time is undefeated, you know? All right. And that's why the, before the season, like signing Boogie, I, I I always thought back. I'm like, you know, I wish they signed a wing. I even at the time, I'm like, you know, Trevor Ariza got expensive, and he maybe he got old as well. But like a player like Trevor Ariza, even last year's Trevor Ariza would have been perfect, like hole filler right now. Like they need another guy like that, and they just don't have anyone that they trust. Uh, I'd be surprised. I hope Kerr does not just go fall back into the hey boogie made a couple layups. Let's get him back out there for thirty minutes. He does do that at times. Like he does over rely on veterans. And it goes as far back we've talked about like Anderson Verajao. Remember, he used to overplay him. It's just he, he has a little bit of that old school DNA when it comes to these lineups. I, I want him to embrace the young guys a little bit more than he has. Yeah. And he, I mean, he did it after game two. Like Boogie was awesome. He played him way too many minutes in game three. And then, you know, I think he, I think he played 19 minutes in game four. Obviously, last night he ends up playing. Right about 20. I think he played just under 20, which is, uh, it's, that's fine in my opinion. 
it just was so bad to have him out in the fourth quarter, I thought, when you needed stops. Like, that was the one thing they needed. Couldn't get it, you know? So, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they'll do with Boogie. And, again, like I said, I just don't understand how Toronto's not favored in game six. Like, there's just no evidence that we have seen that this team without Kevin Durant is better. The, the reason they won the game last night, aside from making 23s and as incredible as, like, the 9-0 run was when it looked like they were on the freaking mat, Durant was the difference in the game like he was he gave them scoring for a quarter and a half that they needed and they don't have that in game six so I just don't understand how they're going to be favored in game six because it doesn't unless Kerr figures it out like I said I I think they have got to play Draymond at the five they they freaking got to figure out a way to do it they've got to figure out a way to do it and he just need, you need to tell Draymond like you're gonna have to rebound your ass off you know like we just can't give up all these offensive rebounds um and same with Clay too and McKinney or Jarebko or whoever the other guy is. I just don't think they can play Boogie. I just think that's got to be it. Like, it's, it, they've got to get less minutes. So Boogie, 15 minutes in game four and Livingston, 15 minutes in game four. And I think, like, that's, you know, K- Kevon Looney is supposedly going to play game six. He looked, I mean, talk about a guy who looked in pain the whole game. I mean, it was just ugly. And, and you know what? If you thought that was, that was ugly, I want you to check out 22 Hours, an American nightmare on <laughs> podcast that, one. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about some nightmares. Is Boogie caught on an island? This is this is what real nightmares are made of. This is a podcast where a family is held hostage for nearly twenty four hours and murdered inside their own home. Tyler, imagine that horror. Not the comfort of being murdered in an alley or a parking garage. Murdered in your own home. The worst of it. So this the podcast twenty two hours an American nightmare examines the complicated trial and trail of evidence that police led to the finding the killer who committed such a brutal crime download new episodes of 22 hours an american nightmare the true crime craze you can't get enough uh, on apple podcast and podcast one yeah also i've been teasing this the entire show but you know it is june we have a game seven of the stanley cup finals on wednesday night game six of the nba finals on thursday night Basically, the playoffs are the most exciting time of the year in those two leagues, and we're going to see a champion in each league rise to the top. So get in on the action, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that Zandrick and I trust, and that's betonline.ag. You know the deal. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E for a 50% welcome bonus. Like I said, Warriors, Raptors in Oracle, last game for Oracle Arena. That's Thursday night. And then Bruins and Blues, NHL Game 7 on Wednesday night. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST1. Or you can text BETNOW, B-E-T-N-O-W-2, 238-669. That's 238-669 and receive a 50% welcome bonus. Both of the finals are going to maybe end this week. Don't miss out on any of the actions. BetOnline.ag, they are your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I do, I do think both finals are going to end this week. That's my prediction. Um, well, game I, seven for the NBA finals is Sunday, right? So, it, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and we're getting uplifting because you kind of, you know, kind of depressed me thinking about Duran and Boogie's defense and, and murder in your own home. But um, family murder, geez, Louise. But this is some peppy news. Uh, Yahoo is hosting a contest for the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach with $50,000 in prizes. 10,000 to first place. That's pretty amazing. So you use the promo code POD25, you get $25 in free play. 
That's good for your first entry in the contest. You can enter up to 10 times and try to win that grand prize, $10,000. So get started now at yahoo.com backslash daily fantasy POD25 is the promo code again. Uh, US Open at Pebble Beach. That That's fun. I mean, I don't know if you're a big golf fan. It's just like it's you can't be in a bad mood watching golf. It's just so relaxing. Pebble Beach is so beautiful. So don't miss out on all the action. Yahoo.com backslash daily fantasy. I uh, am very excited for the U.S. Open. I don't love that it's on Fox. I don't think they do a great job. I think Joe Buck has very much improved since the first time they did it. But yeah, Pebble, obviously a great course. And and this is a good one to kind of, not to be the underdog sports golf show for a second, but like if you're a Tiger fan, like this is a good one. He has an unbelievable history at, at, at Pebble. And I think that like that'll drive ratings high because of that. And Rory just shot like a 60 on a Sunday at the RBC Canadian. So like, I, you know, who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be fun. And I, I like golf. I, I enjoy would you rather watch. <laughs> you rather watch Pebble beach US open, or would you rather watch Holy Moly? The Steph show. That show looks terrible. Steph's a yeah, like, I don't have any idea. I'm not going to watch it. We could do a break. We could watch it and do a breakdown in the off season. Just, to, you know. <laughs> just like pure Holy Moly. Can I say one thing about the Holy Moly podcast? Not to make light of, you know, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. week. It's amazing to me how dumb it looks, first of all. And then they're like, um, Steph Curry's you know, new show. And it's like, I get it. Like all these basketball players want to be TV producers. And, you know, all TV producers probably want to be basketball players. You know, it's that old like rock star musician thing. You know, like you as a podcaster probably think it'd be fun to make a show, right? And people who run shows would like to host podcasts about basketball. But if you have that chance, this is what's so amazing to me. Steph Curry, you're going to become like this, you know, hundreds of million dollar athlete. You have this huge platform. You could do whatever you want. You can create your own TV shows. And what you come up with is Holy Moly, which is like a ripoff of like Wipeout or whatever the other one is. It's just like, it's amazing. Like if I had a billion dollars, like it would be fun to like open a restaurant, but I'm not going to open a restaurant and be like, Hey, I want to make like a McDonald's with shitty food and, you know, maybe make a few bucks. It's like, you're living your dream. Why don't dream a little bigger than Holy Moly? All right, let's get into Holy Moly for two minutes and we'll get back to the game. He loves, Steph Curry loves golf, right? And he's a very good golfer, like really good golfer. And he loves like, he's like a man of the people. Like he loves, like he does a bunch of charity work with kids. And like, I think like this is what he thought was, I, the name of the show is very bad. He's driven by faith too. So holy moly, it's like it plays on so many levels for who I think Steph Curry is off the court. I don't even I don't even mind dumb shows. Like I think it's, you know, fun, whatever. And not every show has to be like the wire. But it's not even original. You know, it's just like it's like literally somebody watched like Wipeout or one of those stupid shows. It's like, hey, well, let's do that. Uh, how can we kind of make it slightly different so we don't get sued? Holy let's make it hole in one. It's just like honestly. I, I, I pity the people who have to work on Holy Moly and pretend like it's, it's worth your life's worth living. All right, let's talk. Okay, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about game five and then and then a little bit more. We've kind of talked, teased a little bit of what we think about for game six, but game five, let's talk about the rest of the Raptors. Kyle Lowry, I thought was, I mean, I thought he was great. I really did. I thought he played really, really well. I thought his energy level was super, super high. He's catching a lot of flack for shooting it off the backboard on the last play of the game. I think it's pretty clear at this point that Draymond somehow blocked that shot from a, it was a wide open look. What do you think from the Raptors perspective? They just have to feel like pretty okay. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing, right? Like they have to feel like going to game six. This is demoralizing. Don't get me wrong. Like 
they had a chance to close it out on their home floor, and now they at least have to go back to Oracle, which will be very loud. You get Clay Thompson extra day arrest, Kevon Looney an extra day arrest. But like, if you're the Raptors, like, you gotta feel pretty comfortable going to Game Six. I think the road team's one and five, or one and four in this, or uh, home team is one and four in this series. Like, I mean, for the Raps, any major adjustments in your opinion? Don't call a timeout. Winning and yeah. no, the timeout was uh, the Kyle. I think is kind of interesting at the end of the game, and I think you know Steph does that too sometimes where. I think these littler guys, like if you pressure them or, you know, just like having long guys on them, they can make mistakes or just not have the ability to, to overcome it. Like Steph's made a few boneheaded like passes at the end of the games, you <laughs> just, know? A, just a few. Yeah. And, and he gets caught at sometimes. Let's just say that. And, and I think Larry kind of got caught there. I, I don't think they need to make any adjustments. If anything, there are so much more talented that they could, I, my only fear for them would just be overplaying guys, maybe. Like, I, I don't think Leonard needs to play 45 minutes in the same way he would if this series was razor tight. Um, but I wonder about their psychological edge in the sense that they just lost a very winnable game. If they lose game six, do they start, does the panic start setting in? Like, they could blow this you know, up 3-1 with no Durant, you had it in the bag, and then you blew game five, then you lose game six. Is, is the momentum, I hate to use that word again, but does that come into play for a potential game seven? This is a weird team because, you know, like I said, the, this Raptors team is is a, a bunch of guys, like Kawhi obviously has won titles, finals MVP. You know, Marcus Saul's an old vet. Kyle is like notorious for the size of the chip on his shoulder. The same with like Fred Van Vliet. This isn't the same, same group of Raptors you know, with Dwayne Casey, where we were like, when are the wheels going to fall off? Now, last night felt like a very Toronto Raptors loss, I'll say. Like, just you, you can taste it. Like, you know it's happening. And then it gets ripped from your clutches. Like, that felt like pretty on brand for the Raptors, I think. And, and no, you know, more credit. Like, honestly, more credit to the Warriors for being able to make big shots in that moment. And like I said, Kyle missed a big three with a chance to answer and push it back to six. That was wide open. I think Danny Green missed a big three in the corner that, that felt like it was good. Kawhi missed a jumper. But that stuff happens. Like, don't get me wrong. That stuff just happens. But with the Raptors, I sort of agree with you. But they've had this whole, like, stone face. Like, we're not going to celebrate. Like, we're here. We're all business. And I do think, like, that's the personality of their their leaders. You know, Kawhi, we get all make these they jokes did, about him being a robot. They did, celebrate. they did celebrate it after they went to the finals. So I thought it was a bad sign at the time. No, I mean, but I, I think it's fine to, like, you won the Eastern Conference. Like, that's probably step one of your goals is like, all right, let's win the East. And then, you know, you get to the finals and whatever happens, happens. And that's, that's where I think they won't panic. But I do think that there is a, like you said, We've seen this a bunch, you know, and the two series I think about, I think about Cleveland in 2016, and then I think about the Red Sox, Red Sox Yankees in, in 04, where like, once you get to game six, if the Warriors win game six, like game seven, you just throw it out the window, man. Like anything can happen, Zan. And that's where, if I'm the Raptors, if I've lost two straight games, maybe there's a little bit of doubt, because all of a sudden, like you go back home to Toronto and like, you're playing a team that they've won a bunch of titles and they've faced some adversity. And now they're feeling like, hey, man, like we can do this. And that's very, very hard to combat, I think. And so it's not like I wouldn't say, I think the Raptors should be favored in game six, and I think they should be favored in game seven if it gets there. I really do. Well, the one adjustment, now that I think about it, that I would make if I'm Toronto is, you know, you want that confidence, as you said. You want to be able to think you could finish this off. I would almost like dial back the confidence a little bit of Pascal Siakam. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. He, did, he sat the last like six minutes of the game last night. Yeah, and he, he, you know, it's funny because he had such a great game one, of course. He had, you know, his 14 for 17 because he was just finishing inside. When he's out on the perimeter, like, he's just kind of, like, sometimes out of control. His shot is just not falling. He's 
oh for his last 12 shooting threes. He's shooting under 40% since game one. His skill level is just not where it needs to be to be a, like a number two option on the team. And he, he's just not shy about taking those shots. He had 15, six for 15. I think he need they need to like sit him down and be like, look, just be like an energy guy, a rebounder, you know, finish inside. Like I want him to be like the fourth or fifth leading score on the team. I don't want him shooting 15, 20 times a game. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at the Raptors and how they kind of like delineate their player roles, he is very clearly their second best player, but he may not be their second best scorer. Like he may not be their second best offensive player, but like, they need him. They need him to push the ball in transition. Like, you can see that the Raptors want to play faster against the Warriors, which, like, I've always argued, like, that's the worst way to do it. But against this Warriors team, where they're just limp into the finish line, like, you can see they're putting an emphasis on, like, take the ball out of the rim, like, get it, get it out after a make. Like, they're trying to do that. And they've scored at a very, very high level after makes. I want to say in game four, it was like, they scored, like, 1.36 points per possession after a make. Like, that's a huge number. Yeah, and, and Siakam can definitely do that in the same way Draymond does. They, they're similar. They're not like exactly the same, but I think Draymond, t- to his credit, picks his spots offensively a little better. You know, like he, they're both just, I'm sorry, they're both b- below average shooters and they're left open a lot. Siakam does the thing that Draymond does. He's just not as good of a passer. Like they both like have these wild, like they attack closeouts and want to get to the rim. Siakam's a better finisher. Draymond's a better passer, and that makes him more valuable to me, Zan. You know what I mean? No, I, th- I right. think you're right. You're totally right. I, and um, Draymond, I think, is is not as good like dribbling down. He does get out of control, but he usually knows where to go with the ball. Um, Siakam gets a little ton of vision, and they're leaving him open. And his shot just doesn't look – he doesn't look comfortable shooting it. Um, and I think the Warriors could probably get away with – um, more minutes, you know, for Van Vliet and Danny Green, you know, who hasn't had a big series, but he he's just solid. He could hit his threes to play a good defense. I, I've never really understood in my whole career life why Danny Green is not more embraced by the NBA. I don't get it. So one of the things, I, I know this anecdote for sure, okay? And I, I this is this will be great when I say this on the show and people just torch me online. In San Antonio, he was a very good role player for them. They never wanted him to dribble, and they were always worried that he was going to be in the wrong spot. So I guess because of kind of how Danny Green like runs around and he's like he plays a little bit more out of control than people want. And I guess his basketball IQ is not considered high. I wouldn't. It's it's obviously not low. Like he's an okay basketball. He's you know he's an okay basketball player. He's a role player. But I, I've always heard that like he's a little bit harder to integrate because people think like oh he's just a three and D guy, but he always ends up in like the wrong spot somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's interesting you said. I'm glad you said that because I. I was always baffled by why people don't want him on their team. And and to the point, like he had a $10 million player option for this year. And like, apparently according to like reports, like the Spurs were hoping he doesn't pick it up. I'm like Danny green for 10 million. That seems like a bargain. And you know, he hadn't had a great couple of years for, for San Antonio, but this year for Toronto ends up shooting 40, I mean, literally 45.5% from three playing great defense, advanced stats say he's like an all-star. Um, it is a pretty amazing. I don't know how much he trusts real plus minus, but he, they rank him as the number one shooting guard in the NBA this year. And what? By, yeah. Wow. I mean, that, that happens to be a lot of like you play on a very good team. Like, right. But his defense best. was yeah. his defense was number one at, at shooting guard um, plus 2.2. Jimmy Butler, they have his shooting guard and he's right behind him. But the two of them are miles ahead of anyone else. Oladipo's three, but like half, you know, they're at plus four and a half. Oladipo's plus two overall 
So I mean, like he's number one with a bullet on on real plus minus. Did you did you think that that Danny Green was particularly good last night, Zan? I just ser- I didn't, you know, honestly, I, I didn't even notice. On, I thought he stunk on offense. He scored. No, four I, 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 yeah, I didn't even notice him really. I mean, he didn't make a three, so I. I but that's okay. I, I think a lot of these three and D guys like your job. If you're like the fourth or fifth starter, it's just kind of just to blend in. Yeah, and make open shots. And and if you don't, you don't. Sometimes they don't go in, but you need to force guys to guard you. And and for Danny, I think his defense has always been. Maybe he's a little bit like Clay Thompson in the sense that like he gets a ton of credit when teams win, but not a ton of credit when teams lose. Like I don't know, uh, you know, I don't have a second spectrum or anything like that. I'd love to see how many minutes he was matched up on uh, Clay Thompson Steph? last night because oh, he was guarding Steph a little bit. And you know, the one guy that I thought had a bad game, even though he hit three threes, uh, Van Vliet looked probably his worst game. I thought. Yeah, for sure. He, he had a tough yeah, game. He was struggling to guard Steph, and he was complaining about the foul calls. They were pretty much all foul calls. He could he, he was having trouble with them. And, and and Steph, obviously, like we can talk about him in the second half. He he was not. He was like started like one for eleven in the second half, and then obviously made you know he made two huge shots, and that's what we needed. Like he he woke up, and that's why good shooters are who they are. But I mean, Steph, you know, five threes last night, ten for twenty three. He did a lot of his damage in the first half, and kind of really figured it out from there. I think, but. They do a good job on Steph Curry, like, and that that's that's the issue. Like, you you need a guy to step up, and obviously Draymond made a huge three in the fourth quarter that we don't expect him to make. Demarcus Cousins, again, just for lack of a, you know, he, he had fourteen points last night. They, the offensive goaltending call, by the way, Zan, like, I was yeah. curious about that in the moment. Like, I, I I get what the rule is. I totally understand it. I, I Ed Malloy just like immediately whistles offensive goaltend, and I get it. You want to be able to review it because you can always go back and change it, but like. If that tip dunk is not allowed, like, what are we doing in basketball? Like, how is that not allowed? It's, it's like, they need to get away from that rule. Like, I don't want to Jeff Van Gundy, like, new rules, all this dumb crap, but, like. But that would be the international rules that you That's could. what I'm saying. Like, why is that a rule? Like, he, he's got to, bo- he boxes the guy out. And, and for them to come back and be able to still win without that, you know, then he had a goaltend, I think, on Kyle right after that. It was very clearly a goaltend because he got beat on D. But. It's like those types of situations, that's where Boogie is valuable. And, and then he gets kind of no credit for that. Like, that's a play that he gets a turnover, too. It's like, it's just a terrible call. It's a terrible rule, in my opinion. It's not going to change, but I really wish it would, Zan. I thought that was so obvious in the moment that that's just like an absolutely stupid rule where a guy gets a massive tip dunk in a huge spot and then it gets overruled because the ball's on the cylinder by like a centimeter, you know? So you, it sounds like you're just saying, you're kind of thinking this is over in six you know raptors are a much better team they're three-point underdog i agree it seems high but i mean i'm not quite there yet to be honest i will say this every part of my being as like a basketball coach and a basketball you know if i say someone who has studied a lot of basketball says that this golden state warriors team is not good enough to beat the raptors but Steph Curry is absolutely good enough. Klay Thompson is absolutely good enough. Draymond Green, like, it's collectively, like, they have a lot of very good players. I don't want to say that I want to go to the, the sportsbook window and bet a million dollars on the Raptors. I would never say something like that. But I don't want to say the series is over either because this, this was an unbelievable gutsy win, in my opinion, from the Warriors. For them to respond with yeah. all the air out of the building – I'm not going to put it past them to have another game where they make 15 to 23s. And if you do that, like you said, Zane, you're going to win a lot of the games that you play. Yeah. There's two ways to look at it. Like where it's like they hit 23s and won by a point. 
So they should have probably gotten blown out, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's not all, you know. But then you could also say, you know, of those 20 for 42 threes, Steph was only five for 14. And he really hasn't, you know, he had that one 47-point game, but a lot of that came from the line, 13 for 14 from the line. And he, he's been getting the line 10 times a game, which is unusual. But in terms of just his pure shooting, he hasn't been, like, on fire. Like, these are his lines, four for nine, three for 10, six for 14, two for nine, five for 14. He hasn't had that, like, you know, eight for 16 game yet. And I think he's capable of that. I don't know if he's capable of doing it twice, though. That's why I would be very, like, skeptical of them winning the series. But I do think they have a, a good shot in game six. Yeah, I mean, I think the key for the Warriors is going to be, like, what do you do defensively? That's the big key for me. Like, I think they need to play as much shooting as possible and just try to go as up-tempo as they can and just figure it out. And again, we don't know... Clay Thompson looks like he's healthy. We don't know how healthy he is, right? So it's possible he can't play 45 minutes. I, I haven't seen like any ill effects, honestly. Like I think he's been the best, most consistent player in this series when he's played. But my thing is this, like, again, I think you got to get Draymond as a small ball five. It just has to happen. Before last night, he played five minutes. He had played five minutes of center the entire series, and that's just not going to get it done. Like that's his position now. But I think with the Raptors – it's just the issue I see here, and again, just watching Kawhi just like physically dominate guys is unreal. It's just like crazy to watch. But I think with the Raptors, like stick to what you do, go at Steph Curry like they have, expect a guy like Freddie to – I mean, we should expect him to rebound. He's been very good. We should expect Danny Green to make some open shots. It's just if I'm the Raptors, like – or if I'm the Warriors, like I just want to funnel shots to – Siakam I need but I do think they need to stop doubling Kawhi like if he's going to beat you and have 50 I think that's fine but I think they need to stop doubling Kawhi like go to him and help and whatnot and they did trap him on the last possession of the game to make sure that he could not get the ball and they forced it out of his hands and ultimately that was a great defensive possession but ultimately I think it's really hurt them when they've allowed guys not named Kawhi Leonard to really go off because that's how good the Raptors players are so I think I would be expecting them to say to Kawhi like if you're going to beat us on our home floor by yourself, go ahead and do it. And, and I think like that's kind of the ill effects of this. And I, and I, I do want to see Kerr like make some adjustments because they, they squeaked out this game by like the skin of their teeth or whatever. Like they felt like an old jalopy that was breaking down and somehow like got over the finish line. But I don't think that jalopy could run another race. Like I, I think without some, you know, going to the pit crew or whatever, like they, they need to readjust heavily. And I, I just think, you know, I don't know if that's Bogut. I don't know if that's McKinney. Jerebko hasn't played well. I don't think it's Bogut. I mean, it's very clear. I think the Raptors love seeing him on the court like more than three or four minutes. You know, they go at him all, all day. I don't think – and again, I think it's Boogie in, in spurts. Like, you, you've kind of got to tell your guys, like, look, we've got to hold on. Like, we cannot let him play too many defensive possessions. Like, yes, we need him on offense. It's almost impossible to sub-offense defense in the NBA because these possessions are so short, but – if you're Steve Kerr, you got to find a way, like, all right, steal him a possession at the end of the first half, like steal him a possession at the end of quarter, something like that. Like, you know, immediate is coming up, like get him in the game so you can get him right back out again. But you can't, he can't, he can't play 20 possessions in a row, man. It's not possible. He's just not good enough right now. And it's not his fault. It isn't. Uh, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the league to be a, you know, injured, hobbled, big center. Um, Gosh, I, it is it is it is a weird feeling, but there's still some good basketball to watch. Is there any other takeaways you had from Durant? Anything you left unsaid? I mean, I think the biggest thing is what happens in free agency for sure. You know that that's the tough one. I also do want to say this: like 
this has been floating around on Twitter for a little while. And this is Nate Jones, who, I, like I said, I think is one of the best follows there is. He's an agent. But, you know, he used to work with Kevin Durant. And he's talked about how much Kevin Durant just loved playing basketball when he was younger. Like, he did all the Pro-Am stuff. He went to the Drew League. He was at Barry Farms in D.C. Played in the Mellow League. Like, played at Rucker, Dykeman, all those leagues. I think Kevin Durant wanted to play last night. I think that him and a bunch of, you know, I, I am quite sure that this had multiple opinions from multiple doctors. And I think they assessed that the risk was low enough for him to give this a shot. And I just want to, I want the narrative to be that like he got unlucky and that he went out and he wanted to win because this was, you know, these are his guys as well. Like he's there, been their teammate for two and a half years and wh- wherever he was going in the free, in, in the off season, like has no bearing on what last night was. And to me, like watching Kevin Durant go out there and get hurt, it, it gives every credence to the argument of like player stars, 60, 60 games, like your stars shouldn't care about the team because like at the end of the day, the team doesn't care about them. And, and I think that's unfair. Like, I think this is what this guy was born to do. This is who he's been his entire career. And I think it is unfair to characterize the Warriors and the Warriors players and the Warriors staffs as pressure in KD to play. Because I think he wouldn't have played if he didn't feel like he was ready. And I feel like that's just not what this narrative should be. It should be that KD went out and tried to give as much as he could, and he got hurt. And that, that's, that's life sometimes. It's a sport where he gets paid millions of dollars to play. But I don't think the expectation was that he had to come back, Zan. And that's kind of what I want to say about all this, that I feel like he came back because he felt like he could help the team, and he felt like the risk for re-injury was low, and that's why he did it. And he just – it sucks, man. It really sucks because I could see now a bunch of guys doing the Kawhi Leonard thing, and I just don't think that's right. I don't, you know. I don't think it's, that's wrong to to. You mean the Kawhi Leonard load management or lo- no, no, no load load management is totally fine with me. You know what I'm saying? Like playing a guy, you should play all your stars sixty to sixty five games if you can, if you can afford to do that. I don't agree with just saying like teams don't care about players that they're always going to take their own interest at heart. I don't agree with that, and I, you know, I I've been very critical of the Kawhi Leonard Spurs situation, and I feel like Kawhi handled that very poorly. And unfortunately, I think last night gives a lot of like blowhards evidence to say like this is why Kawhi's right like look at him now he's in a great situation and I just don't think these things are the same I don't I I feel like KD the entire time was trying to get back to play and maybe he did come back a little bit early but I I don't believe that the Warriors were like why is Kevin not playing Kevin like why are you not playing like we need you man and then he was like you know what they do need I don't think he did that I don't I feel like he wanted to come back and play and I feel like he got really unlucky and I think it's it sucks it's unfortunate but I, I just I don't want the narrative to be that teams don't care about their players because I think they do, you know? Uh, you know, I, I think maybe. You know, the one interesting silver lining, maybe, if you want to look at that, um, first of all, people, the biggest takeaway is, you know, the Pebble Beach contest. That's the big silver lining. But the second silver lining is... Katie um, likes golf, too, I think. I've heard oh, that. really? Yeah. I would love to see him swing a golf club. That'd be interesting. Uh, you know, Boogie Cousins, I feel like, was hated by America for just being like the sourpuss, you know, of team cancer. Yeah. He did have a lot of the puss face on last night too, by the way. <laughs> His injury, I think like endeared him to fans, like him coming back and getting it out. And if any positive of this injury is, I feel like the tide has shifted on the public perception of Kevin Durant again. You know, he was beloved as the MVP, hated for going to Golden State. And now I feel like fans are going to start to appreciate him a little more and coming back and getting hurt, like sympathy or not. And maybe realizing like, look, hating this guy for Golden, Golden State, by the way, as a free agent, you know, he did not tank his team, you know, like he did not sit out on his team. He did not demand a trade. Uh, that's like a side story we want to talk about. But Anthony Davis recently came out and said that he was, he's, or what his camp or whatever, 
that he only wants to get traded to his trade demand. He only wants to get trade demanded to LA or New York. It's like, that's more destructive to the NBA than somebody leaving as a free agent when they're allowed to do so. Um, and also just in terms of like, I've many people grumble on, you know, online, like, you know, Durant's always a, you know, loser, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's never going to be great. I'm like, he was, I think you know this and I know this. If he's not the best player in the world prior to this injury, he was in the top three. I mean, top five best players of my lifetime. I think he's better than Kobe. I think you do too. That, I mean, that's debatable, but he's on that level at least. Um, I think he, I honestly, before, before the injury, I, th- I thought he proved to be like the undisputed best player in the world. And now he's injured. So I don't know where that leaves like the league either. Like, I don't think it's Kawhi Leonard guaranteed because, you know, he hasn't been that durable. I don't think it's Giannis because he has holes in his game. Harden still hasn't, you know, had the postseason success. Like, who's the best player in the world right now? James Harden? No, I, I don't know. LeBron. I mean, it's probably LeBron, I, I would say. I, I mean, like, you could make your arguments for Steph. I think. Kawhi definitely has an argument. I, I wouldn't pick the best player in the world if he only plays 60 games, but, you know, I think he has a real legitimate argument. Giannis, we'll see if he takes a jump. I mean, he's the one guy that you can look at and be like, if he takes a jump and he starts making 33 to 34% of his threes, he's going to be an absolute nightmare. He already is. I just feel like I just feel like the league just got so much worse. Yeah, it did. Like It's like a huge like talent loss. Um. And one last thing, maybe if you want to end, but like how much do you think the Toronto fan response? And again, I think a lot of fan bases would do that. I think there's a lot of shitty people out there. Sorry to curse. Um, But if you're Kawhi Leonard and you just had this whole like problem with your franchise in San Antonio about injuries and, you know, rushing back and medical staff, trust the player, you know, and then to hear like the fans cheer a, a guy who kind of came back and got hurt. Like, does do you think that factors in Kawhi Leonard's mind at all? Like maybe I shouldn't really care what these fans have to say, not just Toronto, but just fans in general. I don't think he cares what the fans have to say. I also still don't think he's resigning in Toronto as you, as you know that I feel that way. So Maybe that mattered. I don't know. Kawhi is an interesting cat, man. Like, just really like, think, like, you say game seven, he hits the game winning shot and wins the title in Toronto. You still think he's leaving? I think I told you until I, until I read on the ESP. I, I mean, I don't know who's going to break it, right? Who's Kawhi's source? Like, we'd imagine Woj will get that one first, I would guess, but maybe Shams. Who knows? Until I see that Kawhi Leonard is signing a Supermax with the Raptors, I do not believe it. I don't. It's just, and again, this is no knock on Kawhi as a person. I just don't think he wants to be in Toronto. And I think that's totally fine. If he wants to play in LA, go play in LA. Like I am a big believer in free agency and, and be where you want to be. I don't agree with Anthony Davis. I've talked about that ad nauseum. I think he is the absolute bad guy in this situation, along with clutch sports. Like they are trying to hold the Pelicans hostage, which look, man, it's fine. I'm all about players rights, but like you signed a contract, like you're under contract, like you need to, to honor that. And I feel like he's doing his best to just torpedo what the Pels do. The one good thing I, I think, and we discussed this a little bit, is that because of Kawhi's success and the success of Paul George, I do think teams will not be deterred from this stupid Shams Charania tweet about him only wanting to go into the Lakers or, or the Knicks. But, I mean, I'm sure the Knicks will be off that list today anyway. So, But anyway, like my, my thing with Kawhi is like I just don't feel like if he doesn't want to stay in Toronto, I don't think he owes the city anything. And I don't think the fans... No, I don't think so either. And, but I wonder, you know, talk about just the repercussions of this Durant thing. It's so far-reaching in terms of, like, you know, what teams are going to do and what, you know, Durant's going to do. I wonder if it affects what players are going to do. 
like say you're Kawhi Leonard and you know there was talk that he might sign like one and one or something like that and not take the long term max because there's more money later. You know, everyone's one Achilles tear away from you know having uncertain future, and most people don't have the talent like Kevin Durant to fall back on and and presume that he can recover and get a max. Like I do think Kevin Durant's worth a max even if he misses next year. Do you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I would max risky, him. but I mean. He's too good. And and history of guys coming back from Achilles tears isn't great, but he's also not like a big, you know, like he's just different. It's not, this is not DeMarcus Cousins. He's not 300 pounds. Like, I don't I I would probably max him. I, I really would, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, let's, if you think about like the max, like let's just simplicity take, say it's like four years, 160 million. I think it's more than that. 191. 191. Right. But like, let's just say it's 40 million. That means, it's 40 million a year, let's say. And then if you miss one of those four years, then it goes up to about 53. You're paying for 53 million for a healthy Durant for three years. That's probably still worth it, I think. I think he's good enough to be worth 50 million a year if he's recovered in any way. I, I think the issue here is God, it sucks on so many levels. Like, where's Durant? Where's Durant like in the in like the all-time like list of players if he never is who he if he if he right no that's really interesting and that's why you can never like say like you know like all these people like you know Giannis is going to be a top 10 player of all time like maybe if he keeps this up for 15 years but it's not guaranteed and this is a little bit why and you know for for avid listeners you guys know that we broke down the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade like pretty in detail but this is pretty much why like when everyone was saying like Chris Stapps was going to tell the Knicks he wasn't going to sign an extension like this is why no one has turned down a max rookie extension because you want like like look, Kevin Durant is a millionaire. I mean, what is he worth? Two hundred and fifty million dollars, three hundred million dollars at this point. Like, yes, him not being able to sign a supermax stinks, but like financially speaking, Kevin Durant will be okay. But this is why young guys, you need to get that second max deal if you can. If you're a rookie, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you know you're Ben Simmons. Like, you're not turning down a max from the first team that drafted you because this can happen. Like. And then it can never be the same again. And all of a sudden, your earnings potential is totally gone. But let's not lump KD in the same scenario as like Isaiah Thomas, where like that was his chance to really get a massive payday. I mean, what do, what do you think, if, if you had to guess right now, Zan, how much money has Kevin Durant made in his NBA career, not including endorsements? If I had to guess, um, well, how old is he? 30. He's probably made 30 million in the last couple of years. Um, I would say, let me, let me do the math here, because he's been around for a while. So say he started at 20. 12 years. 20 he probably made the rookie deal it's probably about five million dollars a year so five 10 15 20 and then he goes up to about 35 50 65 i think he's probably made 140 million I don't right know. plus indoor let me see i thought uh, you had the answer that no, I, I do i do have the i do have the answer I, I do have the answer i just have to i have to scroll down that's what i'm doing this is this is live radio guys this is this is what you have to deal with and now my computer's got the little like, skinny icon. <laughs> I thought you were you're going somewhere with this. I am. No, I am. I'm just saying, like, he's gotten a massive payday twice. So, you know, he this will cost him, you know, it could cost him $200 million. I don't think, yeah, he's made $160 million. Uh, So my 140 is a pretty good guess. Uh, and that's not counting this year. So $190 million at the end uh, of the year. Then you know? my guess isn't that good. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about a guy who... You know, like you said, four year, four million his first year, topped that at six million, and then he did sign the you know the max deal, and then he went to Golden State, basically three years for a hundred million. Well, let me ask ask you this because you talk about Kevin Durant, all time great. Forget you know comparing him to Dr. J or somebody. You know, like everyone always wants to do that. If you didn't see him play, it's hard to do that. 
of the guys of your lifetime, I don't know when you want to start calling your, your start of your basketball watching career. Where would you rank him in terms of your lifetime as a fan? Uh, he's the best scorer I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like Jordan's better. LeBron is better. After that, Tim, Tim Duncan's probably better in terms of what he offers defensively. Other than those three guys, I well, mean, the other, other candidates, Shaq and Kobe, are around. Duncan. He's probably Shaq's probably Shaq's better. He's better than Garnett, in my opinion. Now, again, like whether his career ends up being better than Garnett or like I think he's better than Kobe. Like I think he's substantially better than Kobe, in my opinion. Yeah, like I, I think that's the closest comp is Kobe, and I think I think he's better than Kobe. I've had friends argue, you know, eras different. You the know, the problem is Kobe. we'll never we'll never get to know, and and the Durant, you know, Durant is just shrouded in like the he went to the Warriors to win a title, he couldn't do it on his own, he left the Thunder, and like Kobe just always gets credit for like sticking around and playing with Shaq, and then like trying to blow up the team, and then winning two extra titles. Like Kobe just gets so much credit for playing on the Lakers for twenty years that like you can't really. You you can't talk to Kobe stands about how like Durant is very clearly like a more valuable player than Kobe Bryant. Like it's not. I don't even think it's particularly close. But I think you're right. Like that's a good comparison. Well, what about like a guy like I know I think Kobe's better than than Dirk Nowitzki, but they're they're sort of similar. Dirk and and Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, I like Dirk better than Kobe personally. If I was going to take one, uh, I think Dirk was more valuable in my opinion. Uh, Dirk and Ke- Ke- Dirk and Durant is is good. I think Durant's better than Dirk. I think DeBaron's better. I think his peak's better. You know, Dirk did, did just finish his career at age 40. So it, it, we'll have to see how long he can go. And he was scoring 20 points at age 35. I mean, I will say this too. Like, this injury sucks on so many levels. But also, like, him getting hurt against the Rockets sucks. Because, like, I do think the Raptors are not better than the Warriors with Kevin Durant. So, like, we're missing a chance. Like, let's say the Warriors don't close this out or don't come back. Obviously, I think the Raptors, like I said, should be significant favorites to win the series. Durant would have gotten a third ring. He could have gone somewhere else. I don't know the exact number of guys that have three rings, but that obviously elevates you at least one level, right? And then, like, he can go somewhere else and have, like you said, probably six years to try to win one or two more titles. We may never see that now, Zan. So I, I think that's going to be really hard to say. I do think, and I will, I will die on this hill, he's the best single scorer I've ever seen. Like, in person, like, in the NBA, just the way that he scores and the way he can post and the way he can shoot. There's never been anybody like him. And as much as everyone wants like Brandon Ingram and Giannis to be like him, like there's not another Kevin Durant right now, you know, like that's a great argument for him being a top 10 player all the time. Cause you think about, he's the best core you've ever seen. And defensively, he's better than Dirk. He's certainly better than magic Johnson was, Um, you know, as defense. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, And, uh, Magic Johnson's so bad at protecting. <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to. That's bad. We can't do that. I will say this about Magic Johnson. I have one little thing of like recency bias about Magic Johnson. When you see him as a player, like he, he obviously was never a great athlete and the league was different, but you see him as like a player and he was like in shape and like it was very clear. He was very elite, like great. One of the best players ever. But I feel like because I would only have ever seen Magic as like a little bit of a heavier guy and like a little, I always think he was just this like fat, oversized point guard. Like, but he really wasn't that. You know what I mean? But he, and part of it's because he wasn't a good athlete either. I, I do. I, you know what? I didn't watch enough of Prime Magic to really know. I, I do have a sense that he was massively overrated. Um, but what? nobody I, says that though. Nobody I, says I, that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like 
Magic is one guy that just always gets looped in as a top five player of all time. And old guys just talk about how you don't know how good he was. No, I don't. And I don't because I, I, I'm right. I saw the old Magic Johnson and I saw, to be honest, I think most fans, even my age, saw like the old version of Michael Jordan where he was like shooting fadeaways. Like we never saw like the prime athlete Michael Jordan. Let's, uh, let's put a bow on this Durant thing real quick and then we'll, and then we'll hop off. We're, we will obviously be back on Friday. I have a wedding to go to Friday night. We'll see if my brother-in-law murders me. Uh, if I'm not murdered by, for telling him that I have to record on Friday morning, we will definitely have a show out on Friday after game six. And then we'll probably transition to one time a week again, right? Don't yeah, you think? I, I think maybe one free agency, one draft. And we might do an underdog uh, sports live draft, some other guys from the network. So that'll be something very interesting. But real quick on Durant, if, if in fact – he never gets back to peak Durant. And, and we don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know, and I don't want to speculate. But this is what you're looking at. 12 years in the NBA, he obviously missed one in basically one whole year with that, like, navicular bone injury, the Jones fracture or whatever. But 10-time All-Star, two-time champ, four-time scoring champ, nine-time All-NBA, All-Star MVP twice, Finals MVP twice, Rookie of the Year, one MVP, all-rookie team. I mean, like, you're talking about a career of a guy, you know, that's definitely one of the best of all time. And, and I think, like I said, I, I hope he gets healthy. And I, I think, you know, I would probably max him and I would assume that his game will age a little bit more gracefully. He might not be. I agree. I think he's going to age like Dirk, you know, where he's going to be, a, if he wants to play, he'll be like a pretty effective scorer at age 35, 36. Um, maybe his day, I think his days is the best play in the world that maybe are over. They're probably over. But again, this is a guy that you can easily play as a small ball five and, and a, and a four man for sure. Like that's who he is. But, and, and the one other thing too, Zan, like he went to get titles cause he viewed rings over his individual accolades, but we could have seen a guy if he went to a different team scoring 35 points a night, like we've, his stats have been muted a little bit by going to the Warriors as well. And no one ever talks about that. Like they don't, they talk about like the sacrifice that like Curry and Clay had to make, but like, Durant is also sacrificing. The team is just better. You know, he, he sacrificed his own personal stats to win titles. Well, and also, you know, and I do think most people like the average fan will probably say Kobe's better than Durant because he has five titles and Durant only has two or whatever. Um, I think there was an, there was a lane for Durant to potentially, this sounds like ludicrous, but I do think it's true. There was a, uh, not only past Kobe, but you know, Challenge LeBron. Pass LeBron. Yeah, that existed. Like they're they were on very similar arcs. Like you know they had individual success with their first team, left for a super team, won some titles, and at the end of the day, LeBron's only won three titles. So if Durant had won a third with Golden State, his super team run was would have been better than LeBron. And then if he went to the Knicks and won two titles, that would be more than LeBron won in Cleveland. So I, I think based on that, he would have had an argument. I, I don't know. <laughs> so interesting. Honestly, I, I agree with that. I, I, you know, I think like largely you don't watch LeBron and Durant and think that Durant is this. I, mean, I think he was been the better player for the last like year or so, maybe two years, but he doesn't do quite as much. He can be a much more di- disruptive defender now just because, you know, LeBron is older. And, but, I, but I will say this with the Durant thing and, and with the Warriors in general, we are now seeing the fruits of a team who has played in the NBA finals five straight years. Some guys have played on the Olympics, like, there are tons of minutes. We watched this with LeBron, like just literally look like he was totally out of gas when you play in the finals and you play this long. I mean, all these guys have played the equivalent of like almost an extra season over the last five years. Well, it's, it's funny because it's sort of like Durant bowing out. It's sort of like a boxing heavyweight champion, like vacating the title as the best player. I think Steph Curry has the opportunity now. Play two great games and win the title 
And then I think he is sort of the undisputed best player in the world. Yeah. I, that's hard to do. But if you could lead this team to a title again, I think you'd have to look at him as the most impactful best player in the league. I don't think he will do it. Uh, my prediction is that the Warriors or the Raptors close this out in six. I very much want the Warriors to win. I think I want to see a game seven. I, I love the narrative of like the Warriors kind of changing tides and having to be the underdog. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. I think we're finally watching a Warriors team that like, you don't just know if they're going to win. And it's really fun to watch them respond, And Like, it's very fun. Last night to see them come back and go on their own 9-0 run, like that was awesome. It was super exciting. It was dramatic. I expect the Raptors to close this out at Oracle. That would be my prediction. You haven't asked me for predictions, but I would no, expect. Yeah, I think you said that. We we have you on record. Um, I I I'm just hoping. I don't know. I've been. I think I'm off. I'm just rooting with my heart right now. Yeah. Who do you want to win? Yeah. I want to see a game seven, and now I want to see the. <sighs> to be honest, like the Raptors, it sucks because the Raptors do deserve to win a title for everything they've done. Like they just pushed every button right correctly. Like, you know, and, and I love the idea of them winning in the sense that, like they built the team the way that you should probably build a team and like, you know, staying good and then becoming great. I don't know. Just like it from like a Durant got hurt and it's the idea that Steph could win again. I think I'm kind of rooting for that, but I, I think they're both worthy champions. It's just kind of a weird series way to end it too. Yeah. Weird series, weird playoffs. Like I said, you know, it's, it's a reason why if you're the Celtics, like you take a run at, Anthony Davis if you're the Nuggets you should take a run at Anthony Davis like you should realize like your title window is just sometimes it's open sometimes it's not sometimes things happen so awesome game five like kudos to the Warriors for responding and 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 figuring out a way to pull it out fingers crossed for Kevin Durant that this isn't quite as bad as people think I I would expect it to be a a, you know just about a 12-month injury 10 to 12 months but I I hope it's not and uh, we will be back on Friday like I said little game six I'll, I'll have a, some live wedding recaps we got a rehearsal dinner on Thursday because everyone decided that Friday night weddings are a thing now so I'll, I'll definitely have some probably in-law stories about how I you know wanted to jump in Cape Cod because that's where it is but Zan probably just two games two games left buddy that's it just two games Only two games left and then then we transition to holy moly full-time yeah holy moly breakdown show coming up in in july all right we will be back on uh friday thanks to everyone who listens and like zan said he is give us a rating you know tell us we're doing a good job i need that positive reinforcement in my life i'm a little depressed because of durant's injury but i am at cys tyler on twitter he is at zan underscore ellison and shoot us an email about the show if you like what you hear uh zandrick ellison at gmail.com and we will be back on friday Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.